0: This is RDQI.
1: Farmer Jay here. Hope you will. I'm sure your current mower is just fine. But did you know that you can mow your lawn in half the time with the wildcat tractor? That's right. Think about what you could be doing in that time. You could be tending to your crops, maybe feeding your goats. But really, you'll be saving a lot of time. Call your local Wildcat Tractor dealer and ask the sales representative about the X350T riding along. Hey Dave.
0: Do you have a favorite accent?
1: Of course I do. It's uh, it's a Chicago accent. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah? I it it is one of my it is one of my uh, special place in my heart because I compared to, you know, say friends that I have from, from Southern California, I definitely have an, an accent. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, the Chicago accent has the, I mean, you can hear it, you can hear it in the word Chicago, right? Chicago is how anybody else would say it. (laughs) Um, but I really don't have, a a thick Chicago accent the way that my dad does or the way that my grandpa does or my uncles, um, or, you know, and, and there's part of me that's just always fascinated by, by that accent. Um, it's also very hard to do, you know, if I try to do it, I can't do it.
0: Yeah. I think I've lost, um, um a good amount of my Chicago
1: I definitely lost a lot of it when i when I went abroad um and started teaching English because you realize very quickly that if you speak quickly in your native sort of dialect that it's very hard for people to understand you so <clears throat> you know the 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 phrase What are you going to do about it is you know in our dialect what are you gonna do about it right- right Which, <laughs> Is kind of garbage if you play it over in your head. What do you gonna do about it? (laughs) Yeah, And it's not even that. It's not even that. enunciated. It's what you gonna do about it? (laughs) Oh Ah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. But I would say, other than outside of the outside of the U.S., and I mean, that's just as fascinating how many dialects there are in the you know the United States alone in the English, but let alone the English language, right? Um, But I would say probably i I love the South African accent just because it's so so I and i I promise you I won't do it because that just sounds awful. But I've always been somebody that tries to emulate sounds, um, sure., yeah, yeah, yeah. you know I mean, whether it's accents, whether it's singing, it's just it's it's, you know part of how I relate to the world. So I always try and do accents extremely poorly. Um, <laughs> but, but the South African accent is one of those that I just, I flat out cannot do. I can't wrap my head around it. I don't, I don't understand, you know, but it's just, it's so, it's just has such a beautiful sonic quality to it. It is pleasant. Um, and yeah. then it is, but I would still say that Irish is my absolute favorite. Gotcha. Right. 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 And, and yes, I know there are many, many different forms of an Irish accent. I totally understand that. I'm (laughs) going to go with like the, the, the Dublin accent and not the Northern Ireland, Belfast accent. Not Belfast. Okay. All right.
0: Western country. Yeah. I don't know. I'm all about that County Mayo accent. You know, that's where my homestead is. My family homestead. Apparently. Is it? I mean, (laughs) yeah. Like if you go back generations upon generations. Uh, Yeah. Right. Sure.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Um, I have it on good authority that, uh, you know, Irish people in America, what they love most is for you to tell them all about how you're 10% of Irish ancestry. You
0: <laughs> Irish. No, that's the truth.
1: That is the truth. Um,
0: yeah, everyone in Ireland loves it. Now, I, I would say um, when it comes to like a preferred accent. So if we're talking like an American English accent, I, I do love talking to New Yorkers because they're just so fast at communicating. And I love that. Um, I think that's, <laughs> it's something I don't have. I tend to feel like I'm lumber through my sentences. So I really <laughs> admire it in a New Yorker, you know? Um, yeah. but man, there's something just so endearing about like a Minnesotan that it just like, or, you know, someone from the Dakotas, it's just such a pleasant kind of a, a sound to it. So sonorous in a way. I, I'm kind of partial to it. And I think it really depends on the context, you know, like if I'm doing like, you know, when I was working in the business world full on um, in sales, again, love talking to New Yorkers, love talking to people from the East Coast, love talking to people from cities because they just talk faster and simpler typically, right? You get the message across in a, in a minute when it could have taken someone else two minutes, right? And time is money. So I, I, I admire that. But if I'm having like a kind of a, a campfire conversation, like I don't want to be around a you know someone from Philly, from Boston, you know I'd I'd rather be hanging out with someone from like either the West, the Northwest area, or even the South, you know just like kind of more of a languid flow of conversation in terms of their accent. Um, but all in all, I mean, when it comes down to it, I love a smart British accent. I'm such a st- stupid sucker for it. At the end of the day. <laughs>
1: well I most people are I mean you know one of one of my favorite jokes from Arrested Development I think is you know such a such a crowd favorite because it's it's kind of it kind of hit home for a lot of Americans um you know when when Michael dates the um the British girl who (laughs) has you know a mental a mental handicap um but but doesn't realize it because she has the accent (laughs) you know right um and and I don't know if we want to talk too much about this, but I think I think we're kind of we're, we're kind of bordering on this this I think probably truth that the way you speak or the accent that you have really um, really conveys some kind of preconceptions about you that aren't necessarily true right i I guess that is a really roundabout way of explaining what a stereotype is but (laughs) um (laughs) but you got uh, there in the end you know for instance that brook (laughs) that brooklyn accent um you know you really think of somebody from brooklyn as you know fast talking why uh you know street wise um Tough guy kind of thing, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Whereas somebody from from Minnesota or you know, uh, kind of North Dakota, uh, you know, parts of Canada, for instance, um, have this very open accent that that kind of conveys like friendly. Very friendly, overly friendly, but sometimes mm-hmm. in a negative way, kind of a, a pushover, right? Like, oh, they'll, you know. Right. Yeah. That whole Minnesota nice Canadians thing. Is that yeah. Apologizing all the time. Yep, right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, which I think, you know, can, can, you know, be a real detriment sometimes. Um There might be some truth to it, too, because I think accents develop along cultural lines as well. So if you have a culture that is very open and welcoming and apologetic and, you know, not in your face all the time, that probably lent itself to the development of how those accents, you know, sound. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in New York, in a city where, you know, there's so many people that you have to be aggressive and quick and, you know, thick skinned that you know that led to sort of the development of the Brooklyn accent. I'm speculating here. I don't know if, if this is true, but it, it could be.
0: No, I think there's something to that for sure. Um, yeah, it's interesting when you bring up the prejudice side because it, it and it depends on who the listener is too. Um, you know like most Americans, I would say this fittest stereotype would say that a southern accent is dumb or unintelligent or uninformed. I mean whatever word you want to put in there. But then when I was in college in Tennessee and I met this, uh, I was friends with this German guy, Marcus, and, and we got to, we actually ended up having this same conversation essentially. And I was like, so what, what accents do you like in the, in the United States? And he basically said like, he's like the sexiest accent is a Southern, is a Southern bell accent. And I was just like, really? Like, that's like, that's the accent for you. He's like, oh yeah, I love it. Like, it, and it doesn't, and it, he wasn't saying sexy like, and like, oh, if I'm talking to a girl, I just find it really attractive. He meant like, in general, like men, women, whatever. He just thought the southern accent was like the most charming, the most beautiful, the most wonderful version of American accents. And Americans don't typically think that way, though. But he's German, like he comes from such a different background that it kind of makes sense to me. And he was also from Bavaria, so he spoke Süddeutsch. So he I think there's kind of a similarity between Süddeutsch and <laughs> Southern American vernacular.
1: I I think so. I think so. And I, but I see it too. I mean, you know, there's a there's a lot of variety in in accents of the South, right? Like a mm-hmm. Texas versus a Louisiana versus a Virginia accent way different. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um but that that kind of Virginia um you know into the Carolinas like that kind of accent to me has a swagger to it. Um, that I, I kind of get his point. Um, there's, it's a swagger, it's a confidence. Um, it's, uh, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm here for you, but don't, don't take me for a fool. You know, don't, it's it's, uh, a little intimidating, but, but I, you know, and I say this as a Northerner, right? I mean, these are, these are obviously not my my and they're not my actual feelings, but if I just think about what the what the sound of you know that that accent that makes me feel this kind of intimidation almost, but then there's the sort of the Louisiana Mississippi accent that to me, it it reminds me of, of kind of the stere- and it, and it's it's a it's a stereotype reinforced by pop culture, but of this you know kind of hillbilly, uneducated person right and that's and right. and you know. After hearing Cletus from The Simpsons for years and years and years, who <laughs> right, is <you> right. know, <laughs> a, a caricature, but it's that accent reinforcing the stereotype of just this kind of dumb idiot, <laughs> right? Yep.
0: Which is and unfair. I can't help
1: but think that when I hear that accent, it's completely unfair. Yeah. And
0: I think a lot of that ties to your cultural upbringing, which I think is what we're saying is like, it depends on who you are as the listener, as well as who the speaker is to determine what that relationship really is. You know, I think here's a good example. If you go to Great Britain, to the Isles and talk to any British people, they will tell you that they, they have a very keen ear for different accents and they can kind of like geolocate you based on your accent. And it's the same thing we do here in the States, but they, apparently they do it to a much greater degree in terms of discrimination. I've come to find out, I think it was something like, Oh, don't actually listen to the because I'm, I'm halfway making it up, but it was something like there was a, a survey of basically people making hiring decisions. And I think it was something like 75% or 80% of people said that accent affected their hiring decision. Basically, like if you're from Southeast England and you heard someone from the Midlands, you'd be like, oh, they're from the Midlands, though. Like, I don't know if they really belong at this company, like to that degree, which I'm sure happens in the States. But the article I was reading or the information sources reading made it seem like, man, this is way beyond what Americans think of, which I think is kind of interesting because there's um, because us Americans, we can't tell the difference. They all sound British. You know, they all sound, you know. Unless you study it or really care about it, you don't. You couldn't tell if someone's from Yorkshire, if they're from, you know, Cornwall, if they're from London. It, it'd be pretty hard to tell, I would say. I don't know. I mean, your experience, yeah, Dave. I, like when you're traveling, like, could you tell where someone is if they're English, Welsh, Scot? I mean, Scottish is pretty easy, but, um, I mean, could you tell like what part of the country
1: they're from? Uh at at this point in my life, a little bit. O- only with um only with the the British Isles a little a little bit of Ireland but not not really um, but but I mean at this point you know I can kind of tell like a like a Birmingham accent or like a brummy accent um, it it I can kind of hear it, and when you start watching um, I mean uh, what's it Peaky Blinders is probably not a great example but in a lot of other British shows uh, like um, Sherlock for instance the brummy character is typically like the dunce. <laughs> right. Um, yep. Or, or, you know uh, the, <laughs> the dummy who fish. runs the pub in the countryside. You know, um, and, and you can kind of tell. Oh, yeah. This is this is like the lower class. Uh, you, you know, or, or it's it's trying to portray the lower class of. of britain so so i can you know i i can i can tell that accents are different i don't know if i could really pinpoint them especially for the british isles sure um and even in the u.s sometimes then, I, know, pl- I struggle
0: like if you're like over the top you know mississippi okay i'll probably be able to guess mississippi alabama something like that but in general like i'm not i'm not i'm not that good at it all in all but here's what here's why i bring up the the british isles though is as part of preparation for this episode, I was thinking like, okay, are there any examples of like accents changing over time that have been documented, right? Because we've only been recording human voices as a species for like, what, a hundred and some odd years? Not terribly long. So it's not like we have like a huge record of like, well, here's what Alexander the Great sounded like. Here's what, you know. But essentially, I guess there's this, so there's this form of, um, so there's a form of English accent that's called received pronunciation and <clears throat> this is typically so received pronunciation was officially determined by the BBC to be the official accent of the BBC right so which is kind of funny for us to think about but even in the US like most news anchors and radio hosts they kind of have a general American accent to it right You know what I'm talking about that you know the uh, the anchor man voice that sort of thing. I guess the BBC felt the need to like formalize this process back in, I think, the 20s, maybe the early 30s. And so they decided that received pronunciation was going to be the only way to speak on the BBC. And received pronunciation comes from, basically, the boarding schools of England. So, because, and it's received as in, like, it's taught to you, right? So in these boarding schools, you'd be taught a particular way to speak english and because to attend these boarding schools you had to be wealthy or powerful basically or your parents did it kind of became associated with the upper classes like oxford english could be is kind of the same thing so when they made this decision in the i think i think it was the late 20s to make the bbc radio the official accent to be this pronunciation style it kind of started to change society a little bit because more people used it because they heard it on the radio, right? Because it's hard to use an accent that you've never heard, right? You're not going to make up a new accent unless you're incredibly creative. So if you start hearing it in your daily news intake or, you know, daily audio intake, you start to use it more and more, right? And so the received pronunciation, like the, if you basically listen to any radio broadcast from like World War II that is a British person, there's received pronunciation for you. And so what's funny to me is that it kind of went from being like this hoity-toity language or accent, rather. It was like a distinguishing marker of like, I'm educated. You know, I went to Eton and I went to Cambridge, or whatever. Of course, it was probably more like, no, I'm not going to do an imitation. Anyways, so it was kind of a class distinction. It was a class status. Um, I'm sure it played out very well in culture if you're trying to achieve, you know, civil service and all that sort of thing. And then it becomes the official accent of the, the British Isles. And then now it's, it's fallen out of favor to the, the point where I was reading this British library article and there's something like maybe 4% of British people actually speak with this accent anymore. And in fact, most young people shy away from it and bring in regional accents and regional dialects to try and distinguish themselves from having a received pronunciation. So I find it fascinating how there's like the ebb and flow of like, oh, this isn't cool anymore. I don't want to talk like that. Like, I don't want to be associated with these, you know, upper class snobs over here. I'm going to start doing something different. I think that's fascinating.
1: Yeah. (laughs) You know, uh, I think it's, um, you know, I had a roommate in college who, was from new hampshire um so so he said a few words um like scallops as as scallops but for the most part i didn't really notice much of a difference between his accent and and mine um his his parents and aunts and uncles and really everybody else in his family when i when i met them um just incredibly incredibly thick you know new england boston accents Mm, yeah um the the stereotype of, you know, Pakika and havad Yad. I mean, exactly like that, except, you know, actually the accent and not my terrible attempt at it. <laughs> sure, sure. Um but 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 I it always fascinated me how why did he not have the accent? But his parents did. He grew up with his parents. Mm-hmm. Um and I didn't really notice it at the time because I think it's less noticeable in the in the place that you grow up. Because he was never really able to explain it to me. Um, but people tell me the same thing about you know my dad. My dad has a pretty you know much thicker Chicago accent than I do. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never really, I I never really realized why. And I think part of it comes down to just the amount of different language, different accents, and things that you're exposed to. You know, a, sure. my dad wasn't watching a lot of British <laughs> TV shows when he was growing up, and no. not that I was either, but it was just more its more available, it was more accessible.
0: Well, and did your dad um, study a foreign language?
1: Maybe Spanish.
0: I don't think so, though. Gotcha. But certainly he never lived but in I the Czech Republic really for a couple a- of years like you did.
1: Yeah, but it's but it's not that at all either because I uh, you know a lot of people that that you and I grew up with who are also lifelong Chicago people who came from big Chicago families, um, they don't have it either. And you know it's, I don't think it's really the experience. So I wonder, do
0: you think that part of like why your dad his particular style of the Chicago accent he has? Do you think it's because of the time period he grew up in and that people just back then. You know, the generation he was learning from just sounded more like that. And then the generation that we learned, you know, our generation, we learned from them. And then but we learned from a wider pool of
1: people, maybe. I mean, do you think it's something like that? Like there's more diffusion of ideas or? I think there's a bit of globalization involved, um, you know, as, as the digital world, you know, makes us more and more connected. It's just, you just going about your day-to-day life, you just have more exposure to people from all over the world. And I think little by little, generation by generation, you tend to lose the, a little bit of the regionality of your accents just be, due to exposure, due to exposure to all of these other people. You know, I, I noticed that in myself when I taught in the Czech Republic that my, you know, I would come home and I would speak differently and then I would, you know, kind of fall back into my... my chicago pattern but um it it you know it took a little bit because i i, I was just pulling my accent a little bit more towards this the center and by center i mean you know if you were to take every accent in the world and and just <laughs> try to find the midpoint <laughs> sure. where all of those kind of intersect that's the middle right gotcha <laughs> um yeah. so yeah yeah i think it's you know it's it just it's slowly slowly i guess more of that is kind of fading away but there's also something sad about that which is sort of why i went back to chicago the chicago accent being one of my favorites is because it's really part of of how i grew up you know it's when i hear somebody with that accent now i think about family parties and hearing you know my aunts and uncles and my grandpa and grandma talking um sure you know and just it's not a bad
0: association but, but
1: it's but it's dying out you it's not, but you hear that accent less and less. And I live, you know, somewhat close to Chicago. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's a little different for me. Obviously I left, but yeah, I feel you. Yeah. You bring up a good point because I'm, I'm a parroter as well. Like if I, this gets me in trouble all the time because I'm not good at enunciating accents. Right. And so I'll be talking to someone who's Australian and I'll start to mirror the the way they phonate so i'll start to do a bad australian impression basically and if i don't catch myself like man i can go (laughs) on for sentences it's bad it's not good but because i have a phone and youtube like i i can do like my brain is processing how a japanese person speaks english how a german person speaks english how a dutch you know like you just name it yeah like I'm processing how a non-native speaker even speaks English. And I'm kind of including that a little bit, probably just a little bit. Because for the most part, I talk to native English speakers, mostly Americans, right? So, like bringing in all these different influences, I could see how that would kind of start to balance things out. Because, yeah, I left, so I moved from, what, Chicagoland area when I was 16 and went down to Texas yeah. and then went to university in Tennessee so, 16 years basically, more or less, in the Chicago area, then about eight years in the South ish. I mean, Texas isn't the South. Um, similar accent, but it's culturally a different place. And um, it really softened and rounded out my accent uh, for sure. And it's funny because when I hang out with Chicago people, yeah. I will notice that my Chicago will start to come back. like it just they just bring it out of me you know like because that's when i can go into parrot mode but be like no this is like this is home field advantage here like i feel good about this
1: (laughs) it's fascinating how that that impacts you i actually met a girl once um who i can't remember exactly how long but she lived in scotland for like a very sizable portion of her formative years, um, and then moved to America. And you know, day to day, had an American accent you'd never notice. Um, but she would she would get drunk, and she would not all the time, but she would burst out in sentences, and they'd have a very clear Scottish brogue to them. Um, <laughs> it was sort of this like I thought she was fake. I thought she was faking it at first until I spent more time with her, and then I realized no, this is a real thing. It's it it, it is legitimately coming out like that because she'll be like oh sorry guys i don't know why you'd apologize for it but well i mean accent
0: yeah but if if it's your own accent you might not find it beautiful you know kind of like when you hear your voice for the first time you're just like oh that's ugly like
1: i hate it you know um (laughs) yeah like listening to the 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 preps of this podcast are the first I' still still sometimes I think God Dave you sound like an idiot
0: <laughs> yeah I mean it happens to us all I know
1: I'm, I'm, f- I'm fishing for I'm fishing for compliments from the audience not from you the audience
0: oh gotcha tell, gotcha tell
1: me I sound great guys
0: okay so I got a question for you like you say her accent would slip into um, a different mode you know should we go into Scottish mm-hmm. mode would her her dialect change would she be using different vocabulary? Because like to me an accent is how you say words and dialect is the words you choose or the phrases
1: you choose to use. So did you see both happening or was it just the accent no, that was slipping? No. It it was just the accent. There was no, you know, no Scottish colloquial colloquialism. <laughs> right what a word. Colloquialisms. Which I think I, I I can understand how you could how you could sort of change an accent. Um, but I but I don't I think that it would be much more difficult to to accidentally shift the the vocabulary you use, um, and you know, kind of a, an example of that is um, some of my American friends who have spent, you know, they've I think they've lived abroad for a decade now or near a decade. Um, they have picked up a few sort of Britishisms um, just because they've spent a lot of time around um, British people, right? You know, as it, you're expats in a foreign country, uh, not an English speaking country. And so you tend to, you know, find a, a core group of English speakers just to, to be able to speak English, mm-hmm. um, you know, and feel, feel a little bit <laughs> at home. Um, so, you know, one of the, the expressions they would say is, is sort of a reflexive question. Um, you know, Oh, Hey, the, you know, the cure is playing a show tonight they would say is it oh yeah you know is it doesn't really make grammatic sense but it's it's just like a a Britishism and I love the way that it sounds (laughs) and I've really tried to and I I will say that when I'm when I'm with them and I'll try and incorporate it in my vocabulary just because I love it Um, but it never sticks you know I never (laughs) think to say that (laughs) I have to consciously say like Dave say is it this is a perfect (laughs) opportunity do it do it do it (laughs) Oh, are they really? Duh! <laughs> Why? Because um, it's just so unnatural for me. But, but I think, you know, once you get re- used to the vocabulary that you use, it's, I don't know, uh, maybe not. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm kind of going off the rails with this example.
0: No, I mean, I'm trying to think of, because there's definitely some things that I picked up from different places I've lived. Or, like, or hey, do
1: you want to go to the store today? Oh, could do. Oh God right, love could do, could do. Mm-hmm. But it never sticks. My 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 Chicago brain just can't do it. You know. Mm, I see what you mean. Yeah, you want to get a Chicago dog? Ah, eh, could do. It sounds idiotic. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, when you put it that way, of course it does. Yeah, like one of my favorite things I learned in Texas was uh fixing to. You know, like I'm getting ready to do something. Mm-hmm. I just blew, like, wait, I'm fixing to do something? Or put it up. That was my other favorite little dialectic thing in Texas. Put it up. First time a teacher told me to do that, I was like, I, I think I literally looked up, was like,
1: put... Wait, I don't even know what that means. What does that mean?
0: It means, like, put it away. So, like, if you're on your phone in a class, let's say, is like, hey, put your phone away. You know, that's what she'd say in Chicago or something like that. But in Texas, no. Hey, put it up. It's like, up where? Huh. Like, what do you... T- like up my like my rear end are you offend like is this a, an attack here like what are we talking <laughs> no just just put it away but the, and that's dialect which is obviously now, different so than accent is, yeah
1: right 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 so so to that point though i i largely think the the fact that the english language has so many different accents and dialects regional accents regional dialects is a great thing for developing the mind and helping you helping people who in, who who kind of look at that with an open mind to really understand the world and the, and the different perspectives and ideas and and just be more open minded to them. Um and it and it just helps with, with communication around the world too. And the, and the reason why I say that is you know you and I can understand somebody from the UK for the most part Um, Mm -hmm. you know, might have difficulty with like Glasgow accents, real thick Glasgow accents sure, or potentially, you know, Cajun, Louisiana, uh, Creole. But um, for the most part, we can understand people from Australia to New Zealand to South Africa to the UK to the U S and those are very, you know, they're very, 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 very different languages and different sounds. Um, The Czech Republic on the other hand, has basically two dialects. It's a country of 10 million people, you know, that you can you can pretty much drive from one end to the other in maybe six hours. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very, very small geographic country, and Czech is only spoken there and nowhere else. It's Slovakian is a similar language, but it's not exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Um, but because there are really only two dialects, they really lack the ability to understand mispronounced check. So when I was teaching oh, English to Czech people, they would mispronounce words all the time. But I would understand what they were saying because I—I I mean, I you know I can hear the words, but I can hear the words because I have heard that same words said so many different ways in so many different dialects. Sure. So I could understand what they were saying, and I can kind of help correct their pronunciation. On the other hand. As I was learning Czech, if I mispronounced a word, people would flat out not understand or comprehend what I was saying because they've never heard that word pronounced differently. Interesting. Which, honestly, a lot of the reason that, um, you know, many of my American friends there kind of gave up learning Czech because it's really frustrating and it's a very hard language for English speakers to to pick up because the, the sounds are just, you know, not sounds found in, in you know, Latin or Germanic alphabets. Sure. Sure. <laughs> um, right. And if you don't learn and, those young
0: enough, your brain just won't be able to to do it to reproduce that sound.
1: Yeah. And I stuck with it um, just because I, I, you know, I am one of those parroters and I I liked trying to learn the way the words were pronounced. But, you know, every time I got lazy, the Czech is very, um, I don't want to say harsh language, but it's very it's very specific um, mm-hmm. and and clipped. So, like, the word for good day is dobri den. But if you said dobri den, right. like, nobody would understand you. <laughs> like, it's, that's nothing. That's gibberish. Which, as an Whereas, American,
0: you look at that word and it's like, yeah, it's dobri den. Yeah. dobri den. Dobri
1: the rolled R, like yeah, yeah, <laughs> and uh, I, you know, I'm not not commenting on on like the Czech worldview by any by any stretch, but um, it's it's very difficult for Czechs to learn other languages, really difficult, which is strange because in that Central European area you have you know Czech Republic, Poland, Slovakia, um, Hungary, but it's it has a totally different language. <clears throat> Um, Croatia, you know, the Baltics, they all have a very, very similar sort of root language. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're Slavic roots. They're, they're obviously very different, but they they share a lot in common. Um, I, Polish people who I, and I met a lot of Polish people who had, you know, spoke perfect English, you know, the accent was there, but it was still very, you know, easy to understand. Um, Hungarian, same thing. The Baltics, same thing. Um Baltics or Balkans?
0: No, Baltics. The Balkans are south. It's like Yugoslavia. E- <laughs> yeah, 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 Not that Yugoslavia exists anymore. But keep going.
1: No, no, but like yeah, Croatia, Serbia, all that. Yeah. Um, the 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 level of English in those countries is just much much higher. And this is like this is statistically true, right? If you if you look at number of um, you know, English speakers, you know, fluent English speakers in those countries. Um, these, these countries have, <laughs> now well, not Slovakia. Uh, mm, okay. Czech and Slovakia are kind of similar in this regard. Gotcha. Slovakia is actually a little bit more, but still. Um, these countries all have, like, by pretty significant orders of magnitude, higher English literacy than the Czech Republic. Which is very very strange, but I think one of the one of the factors is that there are many many dialects of Polish. There are many dialects of Hungarian. There are many dialects of, you know, uh, not necessarily something like Croatian, but Croatia, Serbia, um, you know, the former Yugoslavian countries have you know very similar languages, so they're almost like regional dialects. Mm, sure. Um, mm-hmm. And because they've heard so many different dialects, it's just easier for them to pick up another language. If you've only ever heard, like if you can't even understand somebody trying to pronounce words in your language, how are you going to learn another language?